stands in the Jimmy way Raskin. of their quest for power. Salient to be clear, is that's not an gave the game away. Jimmy Raskin quotes Jim Jordan to slam weaponization committee on Forbes breaking news. Glad to see they're finally covering some good shit instead of just uh, the ultra maga all the time. Oh shit. Yeah. You know that you can pee out blood sugar. Anyway, thanks for like it's a brand new method people are listeners? using to achieve healthy A1C levels. Uh, oh. We hope that is coming uh, shortly. Oh. Now recognize Representative Raskin for his uh, testimony. Chairman Jordan, uh, Ranking Member Plaskett, dear colleagues, our framers were Enlightenment thinkers who wrote us an Enlightenment Constitution. They wanted government to operate on the basis of facts, science, and common sense not ignorance and superstition. They wanted America to usher in an age of reason. With the separation of powers, the framers constitutionalized Newton's third law of motion, checking every action with an equal and opposite reaction. And Congress in Article One was given the central role of legislating and making progress for our people. The oversight function is not specified in Article 1, but the Supreme Court has always said that it's implied something necessary and proper for the legislative function. As Madison famously said, those who mean to be their own governors must arm themselves with the power that knowledge gives. Dear colleagues, your subcommittee could conceivably become part of a proud history of serious bipartisan oversight stretching from the Teapot Dome investigation to the Boeing investigation, to the Watergate hearings, to the tobacco hearings, to the select committee on the January 6th attack. Or it could take oversight down a very dark alley filled with conspiracy theories and disinformation, a place where facts are the enemy and partisan destruction is the overriding goal. Millions of Americans already fear that weaponization is the right name for this special subcommittee. Not because weaponization of the government is its target, but because weaponization of the government is its purpose. What's in a name? Well, everything is here. The odd name of the Weaponization Subcommittee constitutes a case of pure psychological projection. When former President Donald Trump and his followers accuse you of doing something, they're usually telling you exactly what their own plans are. By establishing a select subcommittee on weaponization, they're telling us that Donald Trump's followers, who obviously control the subcommittee, will continue weaponizing any part of the government they can get their hands on to attack their enemies, defined as anyone who stands in the way of their quest for power. To be clear, that's not an exclusively partisan operation. They've proven that they will weaponize the government not just against the other party, but against anyone who refuses to bend to the will and whim of one Donald Trump, whether that's a lifelong Republican state election official, like Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a foreign head of state, like President Zelensky, a political movement, like Black Lives Matter, a once close personal friend and ally of Trump, like his personal lawyer Michael Cohen for many years, or even a sycophantic Trump cabinet appointee and lifelong Republican like Attorney General William Barr, if these people break from the habits of lying and lawlessness that define life 
as a camp follower in the cult of Donald Trump. But if the weaponized MAGA campaign isn't exactly partisan, it is entirely political, because it's got an overriding electoral focus, and you know what it is. It's all about restoring Donald Trump, the twice-impeached former president, to the office he lost by 7 million votes in 2020 and tried to steal back in a political coup and violent insurrection against our constitutional order on January 6, 2021. You disagree? Well, please don't take my word for it. As our chairman might say, just listen to what Chairman Jordan himself had to say six months ago at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Dallas, where he was predicting GOP victory in the 22 elections and promising that oversight of Hunter Biden's laptop and the claim that the federal government is treating moms and dads like the ones in this room like terrorists would be the centerpiece of the GOP's work in the House when they got it back into power. Relaxing with a friendly interviewer, Chairman Jordan gave the game away entirely. Quote, all those things need to be investigated just so you have the truth, he said. Plus, that will help frame up the 2024 race when I hope and I think President Trump is going to run and we need to make sure that he wins. We need to make sure that he wins. This call to arms for the 2024 presidential election was met with wild applause from the CPAC audience. I urge every member of this subcommittee to go and watch the interview. Now, of course, a serious bipartisan committee focused on weaponization of the government would zero in quickly on the Trump administration itself, which brought weaponization to frightening new levels across the board. Consider just a few examples I have time for, illustrative of dozens I can provide a subcommittee. Drinking warm water before bed shrinks a swollen prostate overnight. Thousands of men are regaining control of their bladders every night as they sleep by adding one unusual ingredient for a glass. One, in a six-week period, in 2020, Donald Trump fired or removed five different departmental inspectors general simply for doing their job and not caving into Trump's coercive political demands to cover up different forms of administration wrongdoing and misconduct. April 3rd, 2020, Trump informed Congress he was firing Intelligence Community Inspector General Michael Atkinson, who had received a whistleblower complaint in August 2019 about improper demands made by Trump to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. In May 2020, Trump fired Steve Linnett, IG of the State Department, later claiming he had no idea who he was and saying that he fired him only at Secretary Pompeo's request. That Inspector General was investigating Pompeo's um, decision to bypass Congress here, in sending actually. billions of dollars in arms to Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't have time to get okay. into the details of the others, but May 20, he fired Mitch Bem, the transportation uh, deputy IG. Uh, he relieved of duty Glenn Fine, acting uh, IG for the Defense Department. He removed Christy Grimm, the acting inspector general of HHS. Second, breaching the traditional separation between the president and Department of Justice criminal prosecutions, Trump and his obliging sycophantic attorney generals like Jefferson Sessions and William Barr repeatedly pressured career prosecutors to go hard or go soft in particular cases, always seeking to reward Trump's friends or to punish his enemies. If weaponization of the Department of Justice is any meaning, this is it. 
Consider okay, the egregious so case of Gregory Craig, a White House counsel under Obama, who was targeted by the DOJ for alleged FARA violations and finally it indicted on a single count of making false statements. He was acquitted unanimously by the jury in less than five hours, and one of his lawyers observed that the Department of Justice had hounded his client without any evidence and without any purpose. Former U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman said that Greg Craig never should have been prosecuted. Well, I'm gonna want to I'm gonna want to see it in my window well, and and also take a picture. Yeah. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah. So like cool. shaded. You gotta get some shaded. space and put them there, and then it's good for a shade. Put the board inside here, and then nail it. And then another one on the on and the other side, yeah. Oh. And then wow. And then cool. you can put a board yeah. across here. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. And then get that that thing right there. That Which, right there. This house inside here. This house. This house thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they'll have their little. You know, so they can do the coochie coochie or whatever they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> nesting. Another nesting. Nesting. Yeah. 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 That would be. That'd be cool. So is that a? Is uh, that what something you want like that? Yeah. Uh, and then. Uh, I can also. I can cut this too. But if you want it like this, I think it would be good. Hi there, little show boy. How are you doing, huh? Oh. So, yeah, there was a rooster stuck back there. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Up. A black one. Black and white one. He's back there in the back. Oh, So I guess wow. he jumps around or something. So, yeah? Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, did, yes. Did this, um, um, yeah, I'm trying to imagine... The whole of it. Okay, so uh, so you're making something that's this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get another okay, pellet, put it right here. And you're gonna have a gate right here, or door or something. Oh. So you can feed um, them, or you can throw it over the top of it. I I'd like a well. I think that would well, be good. Wait till we get there that would first. Be good. Yeah. Uh, um. So like a pallet. Yeah, it's gonna like be a pallet too. right here. Uh huh. And then that's it. And then the other one up there. And then uh, like this, this I'll put high? a board across here. And nail it. Yeah. Um. You put the board at the. It can be put at any level, right? Like mm -hmm. the like this high, mm -hmm. so that it can be kind of like covered. Yeah. So this two by fours will be inside here like this, and I'll nail it right here. And it'll and it'll and it'll. Uh, It'll hold that all this together. Yeah, that sounds cool. See how fast that works? Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Okay, so yeah, so we got this. Um, I'm wondering if it should be seat like uh, just fence rather than pallet. Well, or, you can or do not. that too. Yeah, we can fence it in with all the fence there. You know what? You already have a. I like that right there. Which, that. That like mm -hmm, netting that, thing. That steel frame right here. Oh, which one? That one over there. Oh, the you, white you one. You don't need all this. Like, oh see yeah, how you yeah. Like the idea right here. Uh huh. You could have done that with that and put the peacocks in that. Yeah, I, you're but talking you about the white, the trees. white structure, right? You have to cut right? those trees to make room to make it into like a 
Like basically, uh, one of those, uh, oh, it's like a big giant uh, cage. But it's a yeah. pretty cage, and yeah. she's going to like it. And she is, and Are you okay, buddy? all the rest of the other Changaloos. Yeah, um, so you want to you wanna take that white thing down and, and move it over here? It here? Yeah, instead of taking this. Yeah. You could put that in there, but you would have to cut everything, some of the pieces there that I'm looking at. But uh, I don't know. This, I th there's uh, this part one, too. one piece of it's broken. Yeah, kind of like the. I think that looks. That looks cool. That looks I good. like this. Yeah. This is yeah. more natural. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like the woods. You know, I know they're just they're just palace, but I like to see like wood. It's just nice to see wood. Okay. Do you have any chicken wire? Do you have any wire? Bob wire? Um. And pliers. I need a chicken. Uh, yeah. A bob wire. Bob wire and uh, and and some pliers. That way I can start start tying this down. Um, but I gotta uh, I gotta put a I gotta put a piece of plywood in here. Yeah, there's. This is a four by four right uh, now. I'm not sure if we, like it, like this, but new, yeah, right, like that, right. I need a. That's do you have a ladder about. or something? Can you give yeah. me a chair or something? I gotta. Uh, How high of a ladder? <laughs> yeah, there's one in Michael Cohen, the president's former lawyer and confidant for many years. August 2018, to go and watch the... Senior born before 1957, in need of dental work. This will shock you. If From the CPAC audience, I urge every member of this subcommittee to go and watch the interview. Now, of course, a serious bipartisan committee focused on weaponization of the government would zero in quickly on the Trump administration itself, 
which brought weaponization to frightening new levels across the board. Consider just a few examples I have time for, illustrative of dozens I can provide the subcommittee. One, in a six-week period in 2020, Donald Trump fired or removed five different departmental inspectors general simply for doing their jobs and not caving into Trump's coercive political demands to cover up different forms of administration wrongdoing and misconduct. April 3rd, 2020, Trump informed Congress he was firing Intelligence Community Inspector General Michael Atkinson, who had received a whistleblower complaint in August 2019 about improper demands made by Trump to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. In May 2020, Trump fired Steve Linick, IG of the State Department, later claiming he had no idea who he was and saying that he fired him only at Secretary Pompeo's request. That inspector general was investigating Pompeo's decision to bypass Congress in sending billions of dollars in arms to Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't have time to get into the details of the others, but May 20, he fired Mitch Bem, the transportation uh, deputy IG. Uh, he relieved of duty Glenn Fine, acting uh, IG for the Defense Department. He removed Christy Grimm, the acting inspector general of HHS. Second, breaching the traditional separation between the president and Department of Justice criminal prosecutions, Trump and his obliging sycophantic attorney generals like Jefferson Sessions and William Barr repeatedly pressured career prosecutors to go hard or go soft in particular cases, always seeking to reward Trump's friends or to punish his enemies. If weaponization of the Department of Justice has any meaning, this is it. Consider the egregious case of Gregory Craig, a White House counsel under Obama, who was targeted by the DOJ for alleged FARA violations and finally indicted on a single count of making false statements. He was acquitted unanimously by the jury in less than five hours, and one of his lawyers observed that the Department of Justice had hounded his client without any evidence and without any purpose. Former U.S. Attorney, Je uh, Jeffrey Berman said that Greg Craig never should have been prosecuted. Consider the case of Michael Cohen, the president's former lawyer yeah. and confidant for many years. Political In August prisoner. 2018, American he pleaded guilty to campaign prisoner. finance violations over large hush money payments he arranged before the 2016 election to keep porn star Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal from talking about sexual affairs they had with Donald Trump. You guys remember this one. Well, after Barr became attorney general in February of 2019, he worked to kill further investigations related to those payoffs and suggested that Mr. Cohen's conviction on campaign finance charges itself be reversed, even though six months had already passed since Cohen had entered a guilty plea. Amazingly, after Cohen was imprisoned for a year and then being transferred out of prison to home confinement during COVID-19, Barr and the DOJ intervened to block his transfer because Cohen would not immediately accept as a condition of his ankle bracelet home confinement not to engage in First Amendment activities, specifically writing and publishing a book about Donald Trump or saying anything in public on TV or in the social media about Donald Trump. Cohen had already been home for two weeks when this David unconstitutional Rock demand from DOJ appeared, and when he and his attorney dared to ask questions about it, three federal marshals showed up with handcuffs and shackles, and he was returned to the Otisville Correctional Institute. There he spent 16 days in solitary confinement before they were able to get his case before a federal district judge who immediately found that Barr's purpose, quote, 
in transferring Cohen from release on furlough and home confinement back to Diaper Don. Arrest Diaper Don. <laughs> custody was retaliatory in response to Cohen desiring to exercise his First Amendment rights to publish a book critical of the president and to discuss the book on social media. Can you think of a more egregious example of weaponizing the Department of Justice for nakedly political purposes than imprisoning and putting in solitary confinement the president's own former lawyer simply because he wanted to exercise his First Amendment rights. Consider the John Durham investigation. At the urging of Republicans, including the good chairman, the John Durham special counsel investigation was set up in 2019 by Barr to try to find wrongdoing by intelligence or law enforcement agencies in the origins of the Mueller investigation. And we've heard some of the murmurings about this today. Yeah. After four years, and millions of dollars spent, the Durham investigation closed as a total flop without unearthing anything like the deep state conspiracy that Republicans have been denouncing around here for years. It couldn't find anything of substance to it. Yet Barr and Durham kept pressing in clearly <laughs> abusive ways. I hope your subcommittee will investigate. One former DOJ prosecutor, Robert Luskin, a defense lawyer who represented two witnesses before the Durham probe, told the New York Times he was shocked. This stuff had my head spinning, he said. What did these guys, when did these guys drink the Kool-Aid and who served it to them. Amazingly, when prosecutors participating in this wild goose chase actually came into possession of evidence of a real offense from Italian government officials of a potentially major financial crime committed by Donald Trump. I'll remember that chapter of my life forever. We laughed. We cried. We protected that progressive home on our bundle day and night. We left our blood, sweat, and tears on that yard. Dunham, Durham was suddenly deputized, investigated, and the whole investigation mysteriously disappeared without a trace. Trump's enablers now want this subcommittee not to examine the Dunham uh, the Durham debacle as a case study in dangerous weaponization of the justice function, but rather to pick up the baton from the defeated and demoralized Dun Durham team and to keep the wild goose chase going today. Third, the former president had no qualms about literally weaponizing our nation's law enforcement and military against First Amendment activity for its political purposes. I commend to you the debacle that took place on June 1st, 2020 in Lafayette Square, where they mobilized an interagency law enforcement um, uh, troop and then unleashed them on horseback with pepper spray uh, and batons, um, fury clubs, rubber bullets against a totally lawfully present crowd. Um, Mr. Chairman, I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that any of the investigations that have taken place during the last two years have been perfect. I'm sure they could have been improved in some ways. That's a legit thing 
free to ask, but it's one thing to engage in systematic oversight driven by a commitment to facts and the truth and something radically different to set up a platform for a series of hit and run partisan attacks that are just vindictive, vendetta driven and meant to frame up a presidential campaign in 2024. And some of the new rhetoric we've been hearing can be dangerous, as the ranking member was pointing out. After the execution of a perfectly lawful judicial search warrant in Palm Beach in August of last year, politicians and media figures began to announcing the FBI, the whole FBI and FBI agents in vitriolic terms. And since then, the FBI and DHS have observed an increase in violent threats posted on social media against federal officials and facilities, including a threat to place a dirty bomb in front of FBI headquarters and issuing general calls for civil war and armed rebellion. And we've heard those calls before in this chamber. On August 11th last year, a person wearing a technical vest and armed with an AR-style rifle and nail gun attempted to forcibly enter the FBI Cincinnati field office. When officers responded, he fled the scene and a pursuit followed. During a prolonged standoff with FBI, the man fired multiple shots at Ohio State Highway Patrol. Chairman, the public is skeptical about this strange new venture with the strange new name that's being launched because so many of the members involved have done everything they can to block the January 6th committee's investigation of the worst insurrectionary domestic violent attacks on an American election and the American Congress in our history. And the public wonders whether members who refuse to comply with congressional subpoenas themselves should be issuing congressional subpoenas to other people. Oversight must be organized around a comprehensive search The truth, truth that will lead to progress and not around revenge, which will lead us as a country to chaos and when I hope the subcommittee will find a way to embark upon. truly bipartisan agenda with all members participating in agreeing on a common agenda. And I wish you well and Godspeed on behalf of this dif dif difficult venture that you are about to proceed on. I thank the gentleman. I can assure the gentleman from Maryland that we will, uh, we respect the FBI agents, uh, particularly the ones who have come to us, the dozens. us and we will focus on the facts something I felt was uh, not exactly presented in the proper
So I'm going to tweet this to Jamie Raskin. Did Senator rep I think he's a representative, but um, <clears throat> I always want to call him a senator. <laughs> Thank you, Rep Raskin, for doing your job. You're the first recipient of my says Representative Raskin, thank you for your service. You are the first recipient of my thank you for doing your job award <laughs> with a prize emoji thing and then hashtag thank you rep Raskin for doing your job. Right, so, um, yeah, let's get back to these tools. Okay, anyway, so my note to him, by the way, if you're still there, is uh, Dear Honorable J Jimmy Raskin, Dear Honorable Jamie Raskin, thank you so much for your service, but I argue that the Republicans are acting so batshit crazy because they want to distract us from locking them all the F up. Keep your eyes on the prize, my friends. Pray for your full miraculous recovery every day. They must all be disqualified under the 14th Amendment. Would you please propose this in Congress? I was making so much money with DoorDash. I wanted to earn money in my free time, but I didn't want to go out and get a boring 9 to 5. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. So, Glenn, we have reporting from Trump's oh, lawyer, Joe Takapina, that Trump would surrender without protest if he's indicted on criminal charges in the Manhattan DA's case. What advantage does Trump get by virtue of turning himself over? He will get no legal advantage, um, and uh, frankly, I'm surprised that he is willing to sort of go quietly rather than posting something like, come to New York for my arraignment, will be wild. I think that's a good sign. Um, I really think the only advantage is that we probably will not see a perp walk. We won't see law enforcement authorities picking him up somewhere, handcuffing him, and taking him to the police station to be booked. So there is no legal advantage. I think everything Trump does moving forward is now going to be for PR advantage. Does Trump get released on bail immediately upon turning himself in? Hollywood's 
<laughs> Probably. This is a job uh, I find for it access, very Hollywood. unlikely that the prosecutors <laughs> will even seek any form. All the up and coming young writers. detention or pretrial <laughs> restriction i think the biggest question is does the manhattan district attorney's office do the prosecutors argue that he may present a flight risk if so then they could ask the judge to either restrict for example his overseas travel they could ask the judge to have him surrender his passport they could ratchet things up from there but i don't expect They will, of course, they could ask for electronic monitoring, home confinement. I don't think any of those things will be in play. So the most likely scenario is the judge sets bail, he walks out, and he may have some minimal travel Okay. Now, how long after being released would the next phase of this begin? Because in theory, if he wasn't released, he would, you know, be in some type of a holding cell while certain things are happening, certain certain pre-trial motions are happening. So what, I guess what's the next phase of all of this? So the next phase is there will be a series of court hearings set by the judge. Um, it's unusual for a judge to set a trial date at the very first court appearance, which is called the arraignment. Um, the judge will probably set a series of interim court hearings or interim status hearings where they can hash out things like what motions might the defense team want, uh, want to file? Um, and then once there is a motion schedule set, there will be motions hearings that are set on, and that's when witnesses will actually be called on the motions that are filed by the defense to, for example, suppress evidence. Um, so I expect we're going to see a series of interim status hearings, and then ultimately a trial date set out perhaps six months to a year, from the time Trump is presented in court. So if, if somebody wasn't released on bail, for example, they would be, I guess, locked up for the six months to a year that it would take from you know this arraignment to the actual trial itself? So each jurisdiction has its own rules with respect to how quickly you have to try somebody once they are detained pending trial. So for example, in Washington, D.C., if you detain somebody pending trial in what I'll call a, a run-of-the-mill violent crime case, which is where we most often see detention ordered by a judge, we actually have to go to trial within 100 days. If it's a murder case, we have longer. But, you know, a, a case like this, um, first of all, I think pretrial detention is extraordinarily unlikely, but once we do detain somebody pending trial, um, then there are some expedited um, deadlines that are set by the judge. And, and let me just tell you, there are only two reasons a judge can order somebody jailed pending trial. 
if the prosecution can prove by clear and convincing evidence, it's a fairly high standard that the defendant is either a flight risk or that the, that the defendant poses a danger to the community. Those are the only two reasons that a judge can order somebody jailed pending trial. And I don't think we're going to even see those kind of arguments made by the prosecutors in this case. Got it. Okay. This one's for my own edification here. Do indictments ever drop on a weekend? Because I need to know, you know, whether I'll be able to leave the house this weekend or, uh, or if I have to sleep in my suit in the event that, uh, that Donald Trump gets indicted. You know, I will say that judges, there is an emergency judge on call 24-7-365 to handle all sorts of emergency matters. Um, I have never seen an indictment dropped on the weekend, so I, I think that would be extremely unlikely. And that's in your, in your long Rolodex of all the times that former presidents were ever facing indictment. You've you never seen one happen on the weekend? A dime a dozen. I've never seen it happen. <laughs> okay, so in a separate case here, uh, the DOJ's case into the stolen documents of Mar-a-Lago, a federal judge has ordered Trump's attorney, Evan Corcoran, uh, to provide additional not, testimony as part of an investigation into Trump's handling of those uh, stolen classified documents. This is being called a monumental ruling. Why? Because, first of all, rarely do we try to get the lawyer who's representing a defendant, the lawyer who's representing the target of the grand jury's investigation, to appear and testify about what his client said or did. Because there is a, an attorney-client privilege that is very hard for the prosecutors to break through, to pierce. So we usually don't even try it. Really, the one limited exception to that is when we suspect that the client has been committing crimes with the lawyer or the client has put the lawyer up to committing crimes, whether intentionally, whether knowingly or unknowingly, whether wittingly or unwittingly. So I don't think people should jump to the conclusion that Evan Corcoran, Donald Trump's lawyer who's been ordered to testify before the grand jury, necessarily was involved in criminal conduct because there are two ways that we can use with the crime fraud exception to break through the attorney-client privilege. One is if the lawyer is doing something that the client has put him up to, but he doesn't know he's facilitating a crime. And the second instance is when the lawyer is doing something the client put him up to and the lawyer knows full well He's committing a crime. He is complicit in the crime. And the reason I break that out into those two separate categories is because depending on which category Evan Corcoran falls into, that will dictate what happens next when he goes back into the grand jury. On that exact note, we have news as well that uh, District Judge Beryl Howell said in an order under seal that uh, the Justice Department prosecutors have met the threshold for the crime fraud exception for Corcoran, meaning that he won't be able to rely on attorney-client privilege here. So with that said, what can prosecutors expect now to get from Corcoran? Try this strange 10-second technique tonight to reverse high blood sugar while you sleep. Most people continue to take blood sugar medications. So with that said, what can prosecutors expect now to get from Corcoran? A great question. So here's what happens. Now that Chief Judge Beryl Howell has ordered Corcoran to go back in the grand jury and testify, um, there will be one of two things that, that we'll see happen. Either 
Corcoran will invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination because he taught he tried the attorney-client privilege that didn't work and now if he believes he was complicit in a crime with Donald Trump he'll plead the fifth and he'll have every right to plead the fifth if he does the prosecutors will have a decision to make do they grant Evan Corcoran immunity because they're more interested in getting his information about the crimes of Donald Trump or do they prosecute him? And if they have enough evidence to prove that, sure enough, he was involved in criminal activity together with Donald Trump, they could prosecute him rather than immunize him. But here's the other way it could go. If Evan, Evan Corcoran believes, you know what, I did all sorts of things at the direction of Donald Trump, but Donald Trump lied to me. I didn't know the things I was doing were criminal. So Evan Corcoran, under those circumstances, could go in and could testify without invoking the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination if he believed he did nothing wrong. That virtually turns him into a trial witness against Donald Trump. So at the end of the day, one way or another, I think Evan Corcoran is going to have to withdraw from his representation of Donald Trump because now he has a conflict. He can't look out for the best interests of his client and look out for his own best interests at the same time. And obviously we won't know any of this, so we just have to look for indications like the fact that Evan Corcoran would then withdraw would show us that there's some movement on exactly that point, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, ironically enough, we just had spoken about Judge Beryl Howell. This will be one of the last decisions that was handed down by Judge Howell because she's being rotated out of her role. You actually attended the swearing-in of the judge who will replace her, so can you quell some concerns here? Is she being replaced by some Trump lackey who all of a sudden is going to defer to Trump in all of these, uh, in these cases? Yeah, I just returned from the gavel-passing ceremony where Chief Judge Beryl Howell, who just finished her seven-year term, passed the gavel, actually literally and figuratively, to a, a friend of mine named James Boesberg. So uh, I say he's a friend of mine. We've known each other for decades. Um, we worked together at the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia, and I actually supervised Judge Boesberg when he was a homicide prosecutor. Then I tried a case with him that was really a horrific double homicide of, a, of two senior citizens who were a brother and sister who were killed in their own home. So I know James Boesberg extremely well. And what I can say is, he is the right man for this moment. Um, just as Chief Judge Beryl Howell was a terrific Chief Judge, she was serious, she was fair, she was no nonsense, she made some very difficult rulings, and as best I can tell, all of the rulings that we've seen her make, we don't see them all because they're secret grand jury proceedings, many of them, but all of the decisions we've seen her make, seem to be made with a view toward justice and holding people accountable for their crimes rather than letting people get away with um, either weaponizing the courts or just sort of nefariously using the courts for their own purposes. So she had a terrific run as chief judge in federal district court in D.C. And rest assured, Judge Boesberg, Chief Judge Boesberg will be just as good, just as strong, just as honest and ethical and honorable as was Chief Judge Beryl Howell. I believe this to my core, having known Judge Boesberg for a very long time. I think, you know, we the people remain in good hands with Chief Judge Boesberg at the helm overseeing all grand jury matters now 
um, during these really troubled times. Excellent. Well, that's that's exactly the reassurance that we need. We'll continue to stay on top of this stuff as we wait for indictments to to, to drop in either you know the Fulton County case, the Manhattan DA's case, and a number of others. So if you're watching right now and you want to keep up on legal news as soon as it drops, make sure to subscribe to both of our channels. The links are right here on the screen. I'm Brian. Huh? We gotta move that Vera. I don't want to hurt it. Okay, don't fall back. <laughs> uh, that's, that's cool. I can, uh, I can... Um, yeah, that's San Pedro right there. Pick this up. Pick this up. Um, this is heavy. Ow! Shit. <laughs> Broken. You can you can you can replant it. Yeah, yeah, this would be great. Uh, I can make several plants from that. Sling a ling. to cut the uh, vine. No, cut these. The vine. These, these vines here. Oh, uh, these here. Can they be replanted? Uh, then? I can move them. Because I love Whoa, those things. Get a string. Get a string and move it Can't you way. incorporate it into the the cage design? Okay. All right. Wow. Well, yeah. Okay. Just do that. Go I just want to move. Yeah, move it out of the way. Uh, away a little bit. It looks like a vine. It is. It's a really oh, pretty okay, vine with flowers oh, and stuff. We need one more pellet. Yeah, there's one over here. I got here. I got one over here.
Yeah, that's going to look real good, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You got two sticks? We're good. What kind of sticks? Yep. Do you have any juice or water? Yeah, sure. Painting like painting. There was there over here, but I only found one. If I can find another one. Uh, I think you can take that one out of the kitchen. Do you want to dismantle this right here? Take this take this pallet. Here's a stick right here and, and a pallet. I can take this one, but you have it blocked here. No, leave it here. Okay. There's another one. Yeah, I'll just get the one in the back there. Alright. And then we're gonna move in. There's another one over here. Uh, I'm looking for a 
There's some stuff here. Uh, There's piles of materials everywhere. Several areas. Binding. TUSD, right? Yeah. That's yeah, great. I talked to her already. Excellent. Yeah, I'm good. That's Mark great. Whatever he wants to say. I really don't care anymore. Yeah. Fuck it. But she told me already. If I need to go, give me a call back. She's a real nice lady. Uh -huh. Very nice. Her name is Karen. I <laughs> know. Uh, Tracy Freeman. Very nice lady.
I think uh, I think I should put the fifis in the uh, in that enclosure because it'd be cool to. Uh, I said I think it'd be cool to put the fifis in that enclosure um, because uh, I can see them right outside my window and they'll be able to start a fam start families and nesting and stuff properly. Separated and they want to be able to. Uh, Sometimes they terrorize my yeah, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> okay, so we gotta get two by four to the cross here that seal everything up. Taking a long time to uh, to grow only this kind of this kind of stuff in this area. Yeah, but see, uh, you have everything here. You don't even have to go to Walmart. <laughs> you don't have to go to Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. You got wood. You got you got nails. You got everything here. You just gotta you just gotta know where to put it. You know? Well, that's what I'm. I'm, I'm you're my assistant. Because I walk around right now. Uh, I'm hiring. In, uh, you I, make everything look so beautiful in here. I know. I, I just need a little help, man. Just need a little, just a little bit of love in here. <laughs> a little love in the terrace. I got this. Yeah. I think I'd like to put, uh, you know, not eventually, you know, another, another afternoon. But yeah, instead of um, fence, or like fence, I, I think more like more pallets, like about six foot level. Uh huh. Um, across there. That'd be good. You got a hammer? I was like, one of those hammers. Like from that, from there down Six. to this corner. Yeah, Jimmy Raskin quotes Jim Jordan to slam weaponization committee on Forbes breaking news.
glad to see they're finally covering some good shit instead of just uh, the ultra mega all the time. Oh shit. Yeah. You know that you can pee out blood sugar. Anyway, thanks for like it's a brand new K method people are using Smurfs? to achieve healthy A1C levels. Uh, wow. I hope that is coming uh, shortly. Wow. Now recognize Representative Raskin for his uh, testimony. Chairman Jordan, uh, Ranking Member Plaskett, dear colleagues, our framers were Enlightenment thinkers who wrote us an Enlightenment Constitution. They wanted government to operate on the basis of facts, science, and common sense not ignorance and superstition. They wanted America to usher in an age of reason. With the separation of powers, the framers constitutionalized Newton's third law of motion, checking every action with an equal and opposite reaction. And Congress in Article I was given the central role of legislating and making progress for our people. The oversight function is not specified in Article 1, but the Supreme Court has always said that it's implied something necessary and proper for the legislative function. As Madison famously said, those who mean to be their own governors must arm themselves with the power that knowledge gives. Dear colleagues, your subcommittee could conceivably become part of a proud history of serious bipartisan oversight stretching from the Teapot Dome investigation to the Boeing investigation, to the Watergate hearings, to the tobacco hearings, to the select committee on the January 6th attack. Or it could take oversight down a very dark alley filled with conspiracy theories and disinformation, a place where facts are the enemy and partisan destruction is the overriding goal. Millions of Americans already fear that weaponization is the right name for this special subcommittee. Not because weaponization of the government is its target, but because weaponization of the government is its purpose. What's in a name? Well, everything is here. The odd name of the Weaponization Subcommittee constitutes a case of pure psychological projection. When former President Donald Trump and his followers accuse you of doing something, they're usually telling you exactly what their own plans are. By establishing a select subcommittee on weaponization, they're telling us that Donald Trump's followers, who obviously control the subcommittee, will continue weaponizing any part of the government they can get their hands on to attack their enemies defined as anyone who stands in the way of their quest for power. To be clear, that's not an exclusively partisan operation. They've proven that they will weaponize the government not just against the other party, but against anyone who refuses to bend to the will and whim of one Donald Trump, whether that's a lifelong Republican state election official, like Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a foreign head of state, like President Zelensky, a political movement like Black Lives Matter, a once close personal friend and ally of Trump, like his personal lawyer Michael Cohen for many years, or even a sycophantic Trump cabinet appointee and lifelong Republican like Attorney General William Barr, if these people break from the habits of lying and lawlessness that define life as a camp follower in the cult of Donald Trump. But if the weaponized MAGA campaign isn't exactly partisan, it is entirely political, because it's got an overriding electoral focus, 
and you know what it is. It's all about restoring Donald Trump, the twice impeached former president, to the office he lost by 7 million votes in 2020 and tried to steal back in a political coup and violent insurrection against our constitutional order on January 6, 2021. You disagree? Well, please don't take my word for it. As our chairman might say, just listen to what Chairman Jordan himself had to say six months ago at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Dallas, where he was predicting GOP victory in the 22 elections and promising that oversight of Hunter Biden's laptop and the claim that the federal government was treating moms and dads like the ones in this room like terrorists would be the centerpiece of the GOP's work in the House when they got it back into power. Relaxing with a friendly interviewer, Chairman Jordan gave the game away entirely. Quote, all those things need to be investigated just so you have the truth, he said. Plus, that will help frame up the 2024 race when I hope and I think President Trump is going to run and we need to make sure that he wins. We need to make sure that he wins. This call to arms for the 2024 presidential election was met with wild applause from the CPAC audience. I urge every member of this subcommittee to go and watch the interview. Now, of course, a serious bipartisan committee focused on weaponization of the government would zero in quickly on the Trump administration itself, which brought weaponization to frightening new levels across the board. Consider just a few examples I have time for, illustrative of dozens I can provide a subcommittee. Drinking warm water before bed shrinks a swollen prostate overnight. Thousands of men are regaining control of their bladders every night as they sleep by adding one unusual ingredient for a glass. One, in a six-week period in 2020, Donald Trump fired or removed five different departmental inspectors general simply for doing their job and not caving into Trump's coercive political demands to cover up different forms of administration wrongdoing and misconduct. April 3rd, 2020, Trump informed Congress he was firing Intelligence Community Inspector General Michael Atkinson, who had received a whistleblower complaint in August 2019 about improper demands made by Trump to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. In May 2020, Trump fired Steve Linnett, IG of the State Department, later claiming he had no idea who he was and saying that he fired him only at Secretary Pompeo's request. That Inspector General was investigating Pompeo's um, decision to bypass Congress here. in sending Actually. billions of dollars in arms to Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't have time to get okay. into the details of the others, but May 20, he fired Mitch Bem, the transportation uh, deputy IG. Uh, he relieved of duty Glenn Fine, acting uh, IG for the Defense Department. He removed Christy Grimm, the acting inspector general of HHS. Second, breaching the traditional separation between the president and Department of Justice criminal prosecutions, Trump and his obliging sycophantic attorney generals like Jefferson Sessions and William Barr repeatedly pressured career prosecutors to go hard or go soft in particular cases, always seeking to reward Trump's friends or to punish his enemy. If weaponization of the Department of Justice any meaning, this is it. Consider the egregious case of Gregory Craig, a White House counsel under Obama, who was targeted by the DOJ for alleged FARA violations and finally indicted on a single count of making false statements. 
He was acquitted unanimously by the jury in less than five hours, and one of his lawyers observed that the Department of Justice had hounded his client without any evidence and without any purpose. Former U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman said that Greg Craig never should have been prosecuted. Well, I'm gonna want to. I'm gonna want to see it in my window well, and, and also take a picture. Yeah. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah. So like cool. shaded. Get some space shaded. and put them there, and then. It's good for shade. Up the board inside here, and then nail it. And then another one on the on, on that the other side, yeah. Oh. And then wow. And then cool. you can put a board across here. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. And then get that that thing right there. That Which, right there. This house inside here. This house. This house thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they'll have their little, you know, so they can do the coochie coochie or whatever they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> nesting. No, nesting. Nesting. Yeah. 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 That would be that'd be cool. So is that a is uh, what something you want like that? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I can also I can cut this too. But if you want it like this, I think it would be good. Hi there, little showboy. How are you doing, huh? Oh. So, yeah, there was a rooster stuck back there. I thought you opened the oh, really? Oh, my God. Out. A black one. Black and white one. He's back there in the back. Oh, So I guess wow. he jumps around or something. So, yeah? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, yes, did, yes. Did this... Um, um... Yeah, I'm trying to imagine... The whole of it. Okay, so uh, so you're making something that's this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get another okay, pellet. Put it right here. And you're gonna have a gate right here, or door or something. Oh. Making so um, it. Or you can throw it over the top of it. I I'd like a well. I think that would well, be good. Wait till we get there first. Would Yeah. Uh, um. So like a pallet. Yeah, it's gonna like be a pallet too. right here. Uh huh. And then that's it. And then the other one up there. And then uh, like this, this I'll put high? a board across here. And nail it. Yeah. Um. You put the board at the. It can be put at any level, right? Like mm -hmm. the like this high, mm -hmm. so that it can be kind of like covered. Yeah. So this two by fours will be inside here like this, and I'll nail it right here. And it'll and it'll and it'll. Uh, It'll hold that all this together. Yeah, that sounds cool. See how fast that works? Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Okay, so yeah, so we got um, this. I'm wondering if it should be seat like uh, just fence rather than pallet. Well, or, you can or do not. that too. Yeah, we can fence it in with all the fence there. You know what? You already have a. I like that right there. Which that. That like mm -hmm, netting that, thing. That steel frame right here. Oh, which one? That one over there. Oh, the you, white you one. You don't need all this. Like, oh see yeah, how you yeah. Have the idea right here. Uh huh. You could have done that with that and put the peacocks in that. Yeah, I, you're but talking you about the white, the trees. white structure, right? You have to cut right? those trees to make room to make it into like a like basically uh one of those uh oh it's like a big giant uh, cage, but it's a yeah. pretty cage and yeah. she's gonna like it and she is. And, are you okay, buddy? All the rest of the other changos. Yeah. Um. So you wanna, you wanna 
take that white thing down and, and move it over it here? here? Yeah, like instead of taking this. Yeah. You could put that in there, but you would have to cut everything, some of the pieces there that I'm looking at. But uh, I don't know. This, I th there's uh, part this one, too. one piece of it's broken. Yeah, kind of like the, I think that looks That looks cool. That looks I good. like this. Yeah. This is uh, more natural. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like the woods. You know, I know they're just they're just palace, but I like to see like wood is just nice to see wood. Okay. Do you have any chicken wire? Do you have any wire? Bob wire? Um. And pliers. I need a chicken. Uh, yeah. A bob wire. Bob wire and uh, and and some pliers. That way I can start start tying this down. Um. But I gotta uh, I gotta put a I gotta put a piece of plywood in here. Yeah, there's. This is a four right uh, here. I'm not sure if we, like like this, but new, yeah, right, like that, right. I need a. That's do you have a ladder or something? Can you give yeah. me a chair or something? How high of a ladder? <laughs> yeah, there's one in Michael Cohen, the president's former lawyer and confidant for many years. In August 2018, to go and watch the... Senior born before 1957 in need of dental work. This will shock you. If From the CPAC audience, I urge every member of this subcommittee to go and watch the interview. Now, of course, a serious bipartisan committee focused on weaponization of the government would zero in quickly on the Trump administration itself, which brought weaponization to frightening new levels across the board. Consider just a few examples I have time for, illustrative of dozens I can provide the subcommittee. One, in a six-week period, 
in 2020, Donald Trump fired or removed five different departmental inspectors general simply for doing their jobs and not caving into Trump's coercive political demands to cover up different forms of administration wrongdoing and misconduct. April 3rd, 2020, Trump informed Congress he was firing intelligence community inspector general Michael Atkinson, who had received a whistleblower complaint in August 2019 about improper demands made by Trump to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. In May 2020, Trump fired Steve Linick, IG of the State Department, later claiming he had no idea who he was and saying that he fired him only at Secretary Pompeo's request. That inspector general was investigating Pompeo's decision to bypass Congress in sending billions of dollars in arms to Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't have time to get into the details of the others, but May 20, he fired Mitch Bem, the transportation uh, deputy IG. Uh, he relieved of duty Glenn Fine, acting uh, IG for the Defense Department. He removed Christy Grimm, the acting inspector general of HHS. Second, breaching the traditional separation between the president and Department of Justice criminal prosecutions, Trump and his obliging sycophantic attorney generals like Jefferson Sessions and William Barr repeatedly pressured career prosecutors to go hard or go soft in particular cases, always seeking to reward Trump's friends or to punish his enemies. If weaponization of the Department of Justice any meaning, this is it. Consider the egregious case of Gregory Craig, a White House counsel under Obama, who was targeted by the DOJ for alleged FARA violations and finally indicted on a single count of making false statements. He was acquitted unanimously by the jury in less than five hours, and one of his lawyers observed that the Department of Justice had hounded his client without any evidence and without any purpose. Former U.S. Attorney, Je uh, Jeffrey Berman said that Greg Craig never should have been prosecuted. Consider the case of Michael Cohen, the president's former lawyer yeah. and confidant for many years. Political August prisoner. 2018, American he pleaded guilty to campaign prisoner. finance violations over large hush money payments he arranged before the 2016 election to keep porn star Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal from talking about sexual affairs they had with Donald Trump. You guys remember this one. Well, after Barr became attorney general in February 2019, he worked to kill further investigations related to those payoffs and suggested that Mr. Cohen's conviction on campaign finance charges itself be reversed, even though six months had already passed since Cohen had entered a guilty plea. Amazingly, after Cohen was in prison for a year and then being transferred out of prison to home confinement during COVID-19, Barr and the DOJ intervened to block his transfer because Cohen would not immediately accept as a condition of his ankle bracelet home confinement not to engage in First Amendment activities, specifically writing and publishing a book about Donald Trump or saying anything in public on TV or in the social media about Donald Trump. Cohen had already been home for two weeks when this David unconstitutional Rasmus demand from DOJ appeared, and when he and his attorney dared to ask questions about it, three federal marshals showed up with handcuffs and shackles, and he was returned to the Otisville Correctional Institute. There he spent 16 days in solitary confinement before they were able to get his case before a federal district judge who immediately found that Barr's purpose, quote, in transferring Cohen from release on furlough and home confinement back
Diaper Dawn. Arrest Diaper Dawn. <laughs> Custody was retaliatory in response to Cohen desiring to exercise his First Amendment rights to publish a book critical of the president and to discuss the book on social media. Can you think of a more egregious example of weaponizing the Department of Justice for nakedly political purposes than imprisoning? and putting in solitary confinement the president's own former lawyer simply because he wanted to exercise his First Amendment rights. Consider the John Durham investigation. At the urging of Republicans, including the good chairman, the John Durham special counsel investigation was set up in 2019 by Barr to try to find wrongdoing by intelligence or law enforcement agencies in the origins of the Mueller investigation. And we've heard some of the murmurings about this today. Yeah. After four years, and millions of dollars spent, the Durham investigation closed as a total flop without unearthing anything like the deep state conspiracy that Republicans have been denouncing around here for years. It couldn't find anything of substance to it. Yet Barr and Durham kept pressing in clearly <laughs> abusive ways. I hope your subcommittee will investigate. One former DOJ prosecutor, Robert Luskin, a defense lawyer who represented two witnesses before the Durham probe, told the New York Times he was shocked. This stuff had my head spinning, he said. What did these guys, when did these guys drink the Kool-Aid and who served it to them? Amazingly, when prosecutors participating in this wild goose chase actually came into possession of evidence of a real offense from Italian government officials of a potentially major financial crime committed by Donald Trump. I'll remember that chapter of my life forever. We laughed. We cried. We protected that progressive home and bundle day and night. We left our blood, sweat, and tears on that yard. Dunham Durham was suddenly deputized, investigated, and the whole investigation mysteriously disappeared without a trace. Trump's enablers now want this subcommittee not to examine the Dunham the Durham debacle as a case study in dangerous weaponization of the justice function, but rather to pick up the baton from the defeated and demoralized Dun Durham team and to keep the wild goose chase going today. Third, the former president had no qualms about literally weaponizing our nation's law enforcement and military against First Amendment activity for its political purposes. I commend to you the debacle that took place on June 1st, 2020 in Lafayette Square, where they mobilized an interagency law enforcement um, uh, troop and then unleashed them on horseback with pepper spray uh, and batons, um, billy clubs, rubber bullets against a totally lawfully present crowd. Um, Mr. Chairman, I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that any of the investigations that have taken place during the last two years have been perfect. I'm sure they could have been improved in some ways. That's a legit thing for you to ask. But it's one thing to engage in systematic oversight driven by a commitment to facts and the truth and something radically different to set up a platform for a series of hit-and-run partisan attacks 
that are just vindictive, vendetta-driven, and meant to frame up a presidential campaign in 2024. And some of the new rhetoric we've been hearing can be dangerous, as the ranking member was pointing out. After the execution of a perfectly lawful judicial search warrant in Palm Beach in August of last year, politicians and media figures began denying the FBI, the whole FBI and FBI agents in vitriolic terms. And since then, the FBI and DHS have observed an increase in violent threats posted on social media against federal officials and facilities, including a threat to place a dirty bomb in front of FBI headquarters and issuing general calls for civil war and armed rebellion. And we've heard those calls before in this chamber. On August 11th last year, a person wearing a technical vest and armed with an AR-style rifle and nail gun attempted to forcibly enter the FBI Cincinnati field office. When officers responded, he fled the scene and a pursuit followed. During a prolonged standoff with the FBI, FBI, the man fired multiple shots at Ohio State Highway Patrol. Chairman, the public is skeptical about this strange new venture with the strange new name that's being launched because so many of the members involved have done everything they can to block the January 6th committee's investigation of the worst insurrectionary domestic violent attack on an American election and the American Congress in our history. And the public wonders whether members who refuse to comply with congressional subpoenas themselves should be issuing congressional subpoenas to other people. Oversight must be organized around a comprehensive search for the truth. Truth that will lead to pro and not around revenge, which will lead us as a country to chaos and revenge. I hope the subcommittee will find a way to embark upon truly bipartisan agenda with all members participating and agreeing on a common agenda and I wish you well and Godspeed on behalf of this diff dis difficult venture that you are about to proceed on. I thank the gentleman. I can assure the gentleman from Maryland that we will, uh, we respect the FBI agents, uh, particularly the ones who have come to us, the dozens. us and we will focus on the facts something I felt was uh, not exactly presented in the proper
So I'm going to tweet this to Jamie Raskin. Did Senator Rep I think he's a representative, but um, <clears throat> I always want to call him a senator. <laughs> Thank you, Rep Raskin, for doing your job. You're the first recipient of my says Representative Raskin, thank you for your service. You are the first recipient of my thank you for doing your job awards <laughs> with a prize emoji thing and then hashtag thank you rep Raskin for doing your job. Right, so, um, yeah, let's get back to these tools. Okay, anyway, so my note to him, by the way, if you're still there, is, uh, Dear Honorable J Jamie Raskin, Dear Honorable Jamie Raskin, thank you so much for your service, but I argue that the Republicans are acting so batshit crazy because they want to distract us from locking them all the F up. Keep your eyes on the prize, my friends. Pray for your full miraculous recovery every day. They must all be disqualified under the 14th Amendment. Would you please propose this in Congress? I was making so much money with DoorDash. I wanted to earn money in my free time, but I didn't want to go out and get a boring 9 to 5. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. So, Glenn, we have reporting from Trump's oh, lawyer, nice. Joe Takapina, that Trump would surrender without protest if he's indicted on criminal charges in the Manhattan DA's case. What advantage does Trump get by virtue of turning himself in? He will get no legal advantage, um, and uh, frankly, I'm surprised that he is willing to sort of go quietly rather than posting something like, come to New York for my arraignment will be wild. I think that's a good sign. Um, I really think the only advantage is that we probably will not see a perp walk. We won't see law enforcement authorities picking him up somewhere, handcuffing him, and taking him to the police station to be booked. So there is no legal advantage. I think everything Trump does moving forward is now going to be for PR advantage. Does Trump get released on bail immediately upon turning himself in? Hollywood's 
<laughs> Probably. This is a job uh, I find it very Hollywood. unlikely that the prosecutors <laughs> will even seek any form. All the up and coming young writers. detention or pretrial restriction. I think the biggest question is, does the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, do the prosecutors argue that he may present a flight risk? If so, then they could ask the judge to either restrict, for example, his overseas travel. They could ask the judge to have him surrender his passport. They could ratchet things up from there, but I don't expect They will, of course, they could ask for yes, electronic yeah. monitoring, home confinement. I don't think any of those things I will be in play. So the most likely scenario is the judge sets bail, he walks out, and he may have some minimal travel restrictions. Okay. Now, how long after being released would the next phase of this begin? Because in theory, if he wasn't released, he would, you know, be in some type of a holding cell while certain things are happening, certain certain pre-trial motions are happening. So what, I guess what's the next phase of all of this? So the next phase is there will be a series of court hearings set by the judge. Um, it's unusual for a judge to set a trial date at the very first court appearance, which is called the arraignment. Um, the judge will probably set a series of interim court hearings or interim status hearings where they can hash out things like what motions might the defense team want, uh, want to file. Um, and then once there is a motion schedule set, there will be motions hearings that are set on, and that's when witnesses will actually be called on the motions that are filed by the defense to, for example, suppress evidence. Um, so I expect we're going to see a series of interim status hearings, and then ultimately a trial date set out perhaps six months to a year from the time Trump is presented in court. So if, if somebody wasn't released on bail, for example, they would be, I guess, locked up for the six months to a year that it would take from, you know, this arraignment to the actual trial itself? So each jurisdiction has its own rules with respect to how quickly you have to try somebody once they are detained pending trial. So for example, in Washington, D.C., if you detain somebody pending trial in what I'll call a, a run-of-the-mill violent crime case, which is where we most often see detention ordered by a judge, we actually have to go to trial within 100 days. If it's a murder case, we have longer. But, you know, a, a case like this, um, first of all, I think pretrial detention is extraordinarily unlikely. But once we do detain somebody pending trial, um, then there are some expedited um, deadlines that are set by the judge. And, and let me just tell you, there are only two reasons a judge can order somebody jailed pending trial. 
if the prosecution can prove by clear and convincing evidence, it's a fairly high standard that the defendant is either a flight risk or that the, de that the defendant poses a danger to the community. Those are the only two reasons that a judge can order somebody jailed pending trial. And I don't think we're gonna even see those kind of arguments made by the prosecutors in this case. Got it, okay. This one's for my own edification here. Do indictments ever drop on a weekend? Because I need to know you know, whether I'll be able to leave the house this weekend or, uh, or if I have to sleep in my suit in the event that, uh, that Donald Trump gets indicted. You know, I will say that judges, there is an emergency judge on call 24-7-365 to handle all sorts of emergency matters. Um, I have never seen an indictment dropped on the weekend, so I, I think that would be extremely unlikely. And that's in your, in your long Rolodex of all the times that former presidents were ever facing indictment. You've, you've never seen one happen on the weekend? A dime a dozen. I've never seen it happen. <laughs> okay, so in a separate case here, uh, the DOJ's case into the stolen documents of Mar-a-Lago, a federal judge has ordered Trump's attorney, Evan Corcoran, uh, to provide additional testimony as part of an investigation into Trump's handling of those uh, stolen classified documents. This is being called a monumental ruling. Why? Because, first of all, rarely do we try to get the lawyer who's representing the defendant, the lawyer who's representing the target of the grand jury's investigation, to appear and testify about what his client said or did. Because there is a, an attorney-client privilege that is very hard for the prosecutors to break through, to pierce. So we usually don't even try it. Really, the one limited exception to that is when we suspect that the client has been committing crimes with the lawyer or the client has put the lawyer up to committing crimes whether intention whether knowingly or unknowingly whether willingly or unwittingly so i don't think people should jump to the conclusion that evan corcoran donald trump's lawyer who's been ordered to testify before the grand jury necessarily was involved in criminal conduct because there are two ways that we can use the defined thought exception to break through the attorney-client privilege. One is if the lawyer is doing something that the client has put him up to, but he doesn't know he's facilitating a crime. And the second instance is when the lawyer is doing something the client put him up to and the lawyer knows full well He's committing a crime. He is complicit in the crime. And the reason I break that out into those two separate categories is because depending on which category Evan Corcoran falls into, that will dictate what happens next when he goes back into the grand jury. On that exact note, we have news as well that uh, District Judge Beryl Howell said in an order under seal that uh, the Justice Department prosecutors have met the threshold for the crime fraud exception for Corcoran, meaning that he won't be able to rely on attorney-client privilege here. So with that said, what can prosecutors expect now to get from Corcoran? Try this strange 10-second technique tonight to reverse high blood sugar while you sleep. Most people continue to take blood sugar medications. So with that said, what can prosecutors expect now to get from Corcoran? A great question. So here's what happens. Now that Chief Judge Beryl Howell has ordered Corcoran to go back in the grand jury and testify, um, there will be one of two things that, that we'll see happen. Either 
Corcoran will invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination because he taught he tried the attorney-client privilege that didn't work, and now if he believes he was complicit in a crime with Donald Trump, he'll plead the Fifth, and he'll have every right to plead the Fifth. If he does, the prosecutors will have a decision to make. Do they grant Evan Corcoran immunity because they're more interested in getting his information about the crimes of Donald Trump, or do they prosecute him? And if they have enough evidence to prove that, sure enough, he was involved in criminal activity together with Donald Trump, they could prosecute him rather than immunize him. But here's the other way it could go. If Evan, Evan Corcoran believes, you know what, I did all sorts of things at the direction of Donald Trump, but Donald Trump lied to me. I didn't know the things I was doing were criminal. So Evan Corcoran, under those circumstances, could go in and could testify without invoking the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination if he believed he did nothing wrong. That virtually turns him into a trial witness against Donald Trump. So at the end of the day, one way or another, I think Evan Corcoran is going to have to withdraw from his representation of Donald Trump because now he has a conflict. He can't look out for the best interests of his client and look out for his own best interests at the same time. And obviously we won't know any of this, so we just have to look for indications like the fact that Evan Corcoran would then withdraw would show us that there's some movement on exactly that point, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, ironically enough, we just had spoken about Judge Beryl Howell. This will be one of the last decisions that was handed down by Judge Howell because she's being rotated out of her role. You actually attended the swearing-in of the judge who will replace her, so can you quell some concerns here? Is she being replaced by some Trump lackey who all of a sudden is going to defer to Trump in all of these, uh, in these cases? Yeah, I just returned from the gavel-passing ceremony where Chief Judge Beryl Howell, who just finished her seven-year term, passed the gavel, actually literally and figuratively, to a, a friend of mine named James Bosberg. So uh, I say he's a friend of mine. We've known each other for decades. Um, we worked together at the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia, and I actually supervised Judge Bosberg when he was a homicide prosecutor. Then I tried a case with him that was really a horrific double homicide of, a, of two senior citizens who were a brother and sister who were killed in their own home. So I know James Bosberg extremely well. And what I can say is, he is the right man for this moment. Um, just as Chief Judge Beryl Howell was a terrific Chief Judge, she was serious, she was fair, she was no-nonsense, she made some very difficult rulings, and as best I can tell, all of the rulings that we've seen her make, we don't see them all because they're secret grand jury proceedings, many of them, but all of the decisions we've seen her make seem to be made with a view toward justice and holding people accountable for their crimes rather than letting people get away with um, either weaponizing the courts or just sort of nefariously using the courts for their own purposes. So she had a terrific run as Chief Judge in Federal District Court in D.C. And rest assured, Judge Bosberg, Chief Judge Bosberg will be just as good, just as strong, just as honest and ethical and honorable as was Chief Judge Beryl Howell. I believe this to my core, having known Judge Bosberg for a very long time. I think, you know, we the people remain in good hands with Chief Judge Bosberg at the helm overseeing all grand jury matters now 
um, during these really troubled times. Excellent. Well, that's that's exactly the reassurance that we need. We'll continue to stay on top of this stuff as we wait for indictments to to, to drop in either you know the Fulton County case, the Manhattan DA's case, and a number of others. So if you're watching right now and you want to keep up on legal news as soon as it drops, make sure to subscribe to both of our channels. The links are right here on the screen. I'm Brian. Huh? We gotta move this Oliveira. I don't want to hurt it. Okay, don't go back. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's cool. I can, uh, I can... Um, yeah, that's San Pedro right pick there. Pick this up. Pick this one. Um... Pick this is heavy. Ow! Shit. Up. up there. <laughs> Broken. Can you can, you can, you can replant it. Yeah, yeah, this would be great. Uh, I can make several plants from that. Sling a ling. to cut the uh, vine. The vine. These vines here. Oh, uh, these here. Can they be replanted? Then? Uh, I can move them. Because I love those get things. A string. Get a string and move it Can't you way. incorporate it into the the cage design? Okay. All right. Well. Yeah. Okay. Just do that. Get a ball over. I just want to move. Yeah, move it out of the way. Like a vine. It is. It's a really okay, pretty cool. vine with oh, flowers and stuff. We need one more pellet. Yeah, there's one over here. I got here. I got one right here.
Yeah, that's gonna look real good, I think. Yeah. You got two steaks? We're good. What kind of steaks? Yep. Do you have any juice or water? Yeah, sure. Painting like painting. There was there over here, but I only found one. If I can find another one. Um, I think you can take that one out of the kitchen. You want to dismantle this right here? Take this. Take this pallet. Here's a stick right here and, and a pallet. I can take this one, but you have it blocked here. No, leave it here. Okay. There's another one. Yeah. I'll just get the one in the back there. Alright. And then we're going to move in. There's another one over here. Uh, I'm looking for a 
There's some stuff here. Uh, There's piles of materials everywhere. Several areas, Binding. You can make, build anything. Yeah, right? Yeah, go ahead. Alright, we'll knock this in. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to. TUSD, right? Yeah. That's yeah, great. I talked to her already. Excellent. Yeah, I did. That's Mark great. Whatever he wants to say. I really don't care anymore. Yeah. Fuck it. But she told me already. If I need you, girl, give me a call back. She's a real nice lady. Uh -huh. Very nice. Her name is Karen. I <laughs> know. Uh, uh, Tracy Freeman. Very nice okay. lady. She was very polite. She was very Yeah, you got good good energy. <laughs> and you're rolling. <laughs> yeah, there's one over here.
I think uh, I think I should put the fifis in the uh, in that enclosure because it'd be cool to. Uh, I said I think it'd be cool to put the fifis in that enclosure um, because uh, I can see them right outside my window and they'll be able to start a fam start families and nesting and stuff properly separated and they want to be able to. Uh, Sometimes they terrorize my yeah, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> okay, so we gotta get two by four to the top here that seal everything up. It's taken a long time to uh, to grow only this kind of this kind of stuff in this area. Yeah, but see, uh, you have everything here. You don't even have to go to Walmart. <laughs> you don't have to go to Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. You got wood. You got you got nails. You got everything here. You just gotta you just gotta know where to put it. You know? Well, that's what I'm. I'm, I'm you're my assistant. Because I walk around right now. Uh, I'm hiring. In, uh, you I, make everything look so beautiful in here. I, I just need a little help, man. Just need a little, just a little bit of love in here. <laughs> a little love in Kenny Taylor, so I got you. Yeah. I think I'd like to put, uh, you know, not eventually, you know, another, another afternoon, but yeah, instead of um, fence, or like fence, I, I think more like more pallets, like about six foot level. Uh huh. Um, across there. That'd be good. You need a hammer? Oh, it's like. One of those hammers. Like from that, from there down okay. to this corner. Yeah, all right. 